0: الحمد لله الحمد لله بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وأنه هو أذ وأبقى صدق الله العظيم. My dear respected, and most honourable, elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. As salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. First of all, I humbly request some of the brothers who are scattered towards the middle and the back and, and the sides, if possible, for them to come forward. Allah bless you. May Allah reward you for your attendance. May Allah reward you for being here. We begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this opportunity to congregate in His house to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger and we pray that Allah will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. The other day I was talking to somebody regarding um, mental health and it was mentioned to me that October the 10th is World Mental Health Day uh, and it's po- if it's possible to discuss the Islamic perspective on mental health and how Islam describes this, in a way, debilitating disease and how Islam gives us the motive to overcome it. And I thought to myself, when I, I asked that person, I said, what, what, what is mental health to you? you know, what specific ailments are we talking about here? And he said, depression and anxiety. And I read thereafter, I had done a little bit of research and I came across an article, uh, a very popular article, where it was mentioned that in the UK, 70% of all uh, residents, including Muslims, non-Muslims, at one point in their life, stated that they have suffered from some form of depression or anxiety, that 70% of all human beings suffer from some sort of depression and anxiety. I go one step further without any uh, uh, research, and I could say that nearly 100% of all Muslims suffer from some sort of depression or anxiety at one point in our entire lives. Now, we have to create a clear distinction between depression and anxiety and normal hazn or huzn", sadness. Because sadness is a normal part of life. When something doesn't go your way, you feel sad. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the greatest and most perfect creation of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, throughout his life, there were moments where he suffered from intense Sadness. The Prophet ﷺ, in fact, in the books or in the annals of, of uh, prophetic history and prophetic seerah, there's an entire year called Amul Hazan or Amul huzn the year of sorrow. What happened during that year, the Prophet ﷺ, he lost his, his rock, his support in Sayyidah Khadija. He, ro- he lost his rock and his support in, in, in his uncle Abu Talib. Him and his family were... Uh, thrown out of mecca and made to live in the valley of abu Talib, where many of them suffered from intense hunger away from their homes they weren't provided with, with any food you know, during those years it's reported that many of the family members of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in terms of cousins and relatives passed away due to intense hunger they were eating leaves it was during that year the prophet sallallahu alaihi went to, uh, to a certain town And he went there to propagate the religion of Islam And he was thrown out And he was stoned So much so that Ibn Ishaq One of the historians narrates That the blood from the Prophet's forehead Was flowing into his wooden sandals This is the You know, the Prophet ﷺ suffered intense grief And he was one of the most dear Or the most dear creation To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Yet he suffered that You look at the stories of the Anbiya And you open up the Quran And you read Trials and tribulations That they went through Many of them experienced Hazl There was seldom a prophet Whose propagation was so easy That everybody accepted his faith In fact, you won't find one so they all had to suffer this intense trial and this tribulation, and that's normal. And because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says to us in the Qur'an and in the verse that I quoted before you, وَأَنَّهُ هُوَ That It is He, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, who makes you laugh, and it is He who makes you cry. So it's important for us to understand that everything we do, everything that takes place, or everything that happens to us is predetermined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is our, in our annals of faith and our iman, we have to believe that تعالى, Anything good or bad that happens is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when something good happens to us, we need to show our shukr and our gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whenever uh, any evil Afflicts us, or we go through a bad phase in our lives, we need to turn to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, remaining patient, asking Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for forgiveness. <coughs> but when we look at the sadness, and I mentioned the sadness of the the Anbiya, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in that year, and all the other prophets, many of them, some of them were killed by their own people. The Quran mentions this. The Bani Israel would kill some of their own Prophets. Imagine the torture. Some of the Prophets went through intense torture at the hands of their subjects. Yet their faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never wavered. And it's easy for us, or it's easy for me to say that to you today. But they were Anbiya. And you can say they were, they were the Prophets. The Prophets who don't err. The, the Prophets who don't commit sin. The Prophets, the Anbiya who don't disobey the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so it's easy for them to overcome that. The Prophets whose, whose sadness did not result in hopelessness. That's the difference between the Prophets and us. Our husband and our sadness results in hopelessness where we lose all hope that there's going to be a change. Where we lose all hope that something good is going to come out of this. Where we lose all hope In the mercy and forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we do that, then we 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 go into that further phase of depression and anxiety when we're unable to control ourselves and our these negative feelings that we nurture result in, in what we now term as clinical depression. First and foremost, For those individuals, and there are many members of your families, our families, people that we know who are suffering from this illness. And it's such a debilitating disease that work, maintaining familial ties, maintaining relationships, become uh, chores, become uh, almost impossible for one to do. I know of people who have suffered from intense depression. Uh, and who are a shell of their former selves And you may have come across those type of individuals It's important for those individuals to seek medical help You know, um, uh, uh, the brother who I was talking to He said, well, you know, the, the, uh, the answer to everything can be found in the Quran and the sunnah of the Prophet I said, without a shadow of a doubt and he said, well, the, the companions of the Prophet will say that if I lose the reins of my camel in the desert, I will consult the Qur'an and I will, I will be able to find my camel. And I said, you know, in order for you to understand that, you have to be in the shoes of the companions of the Prophet Wasallam." That doesn't necessarily mean that if they lost their camels in the desert, they will come into the Qur'an they will open up the Qur'an and suddenly a verse of the Qur'an is going to inspire them in towards a certain direction and there they will find the camel. What it means, the companions, what they were trying to say is, is that if we lose the reins of, of our camel in the desert and we have nothing left, we fall into a place of hopelessness and despair, we open up the verses of the Qur'an and we start reciting the Qur'an. And Allah tells us in the Qur'an, salah." And seek help through patience and prayer. And in that we find comfort. So in a way, we find more than what we have already lost in the form of our camel in the desert. Do you understand? So it wasn't necessarily that the companions were saying to us, you know, when you lose something, consult the Quran, and it's going to be there. Suddenly you're going to go to sleep, you're going to have a dream, and whatever you've lost is going to be there. That wasn't necessarily the case. You have to understand the metaphorical meaning behind this statement of theirs. So don't shy away. So when that brother said to me that, you know, we shouldn't seek any medical help. I said, no, nobody can say that. There are individuals who can overcome their anxiety and their depression without pharmaceuticals. Those mild forms of depression and anxiety. But when you have people who are suffering from clinical depression and severe forms of anxiety, those individuals do require at some point in their, in their lives help from, from medical professionals and pharmaceuticals. And it's important for us to state that. And there's nothing doing that does not contradict the Qur'an and the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Some of the greatest uh, uh, medical practitioners in human history have been Muslims Some of the greatest advancements Made in pharmaceuticals Is through the work of Muslims And we mentioned that many weeks ago When we discussed some of the contributions Some of the Islamic contributions To the West So it's important for us to understand That that does not contradict the faith So if you know of those individuals don't be, Or they are in your families Then don't be afraid to seek uh, Professional help for them in in terms of our deen and our religion what does our religion say what does our religion state that can help us when we ex- when we experience these mild forms of depression and when we suffer from these mild forms of anxiety which as is stated uh, in research 70% of all uh, residents of the UK at one point in their lives suffer from how can we uh, overcome that The first thing that we have to understand, and this is taken from the sunnah of the Prophet that many of the spiritual and psychological ailments that we go through, many of them stem from physical ailments, stem from physical uh, diseases. And it's important, first and foremost, to maintain a good diet. This is what medical practitioners will tell us to do anyway. You know, those individuals who suffer from anxiety and depression, the first thing that happens is they stop eating. They stop eating. Or food doesn't have that same taste and that same da'ika anymore. With regards to a good diet, what did the Prophet say? Imam Al Tirmidhi in uh, Al Shama'il al Muhammadiyya, sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa he reports that the Prophet ﷺ had a well-balanced diet. The Prophet ﷺ did not eat in excess. The Prophet ﷺ looked after his health. In fact, Imam At-Tirmidhi and other historians report that the Prophet ﷺ never had a protruding belly. Which means that the Prophet ﷺ was, wasn't fat. The Prophet ﷺ, uh, maintained a, a well figure. His, his body was, was healthy. And this is, this is something that we... You know, we talk about the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam in so many different aspects of our existence. But what about the, the physical aspect of the Prophet Wasallam? How healthy he was. Shouldn't that be something that we should learn from? In order for him to perform his ibadah comfortably and have the strength to continue his mission... He needed to have a healthy body And his mission was the greatest mission To propagate the deen of Allah Therefore us, we need to ensure That we try to be as healthy as we possibly can We often get too caught up with work And our busy schedules That we overlook the importance of taking care of our health This is why I'd like to remind you of the sunnah of Maintaining and looking after our physical health In order for our mental health to be uh, Or to function at its optimal, optimum level Sayyidina so Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha The beloved wife of the Prophet wasallam, said That the Prophet once said Indeed, your body has a right over you So fast and then break your fast Pray and then sleep also They were companions of the Prophet who came to the Prophet or the Prophet he heard of them. They were companions who knew of the sacrifices that the Prophet would make. Who knew of the sheer amount of worship that the Prophet would do. And they thought to themselves, they were inspired by that. And inspired by that, they said, you know what, we're going to do exactly the same thing. One of the companions heard that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi He fasts perpetually Days on end without breaking his fast And he said the same thing He said I'm going to fast for days on end I'm not going to break my fast I'm going to have perpetual fast Another companion He heard that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Stays awake at night praying He said I'm going to stay awake at night praying And I'm not going to go to sleep Another companion He realized that the, you know, he, If he got married Then that would stop him from Staying awake at night and praying And fasting perpetually throughout the day So he decided I'm not even going to get married I'm going to try to encompass All the worship that I possibly can The Prophet ﷺ Looked at those three individuals And he said to them Look, you need to fast And you need to break your fast To the person who wanted to fast perpetually to the one who wanted to stay awake at night, he said, You need to stay awake at night praying, and then you need to go to sleep. You have to sleep. You need your rest. To the individual who said he didn't want to get married, the Prophet said, You want to follow my sunnah? I'm married. I get married. And the one who deviates from my sunnah is not from me, he's not from us. That's when he told them that your body has a right over you. There were women of, of the Ansar who came to the Prophet ﷺ and complained of their husbands engaging in worship to such an extent that they would completely ignore their familial responsibilities. That happened. And the Prophet ﷺ rebuked them. The Prophet ﷺ gave them tips on how much worship they should do. The Prophet Sallallahu said, Look, your body has a right over you. Your family, your ahl has a right over you. Your children, your wife has a right over you. It's important for you to maintain their rights. So it's good that you want to worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But don't you understand that taking care of your family is a form of worship? Don't you understand that taking care of the rights of others is greater worship than your individual worship. The Prophet There was a companion, in fact, who used to recite the... Who, whose wife complained that he recited the Qur'an in the entire night. In one night he would finish one, 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 uh, one Qur'an. And that obviously meant that he would stay awake the entire night. The Prophet said, no, finish it in one month. He said, Ya Rasulullah, one month. That's too much. Allah bless the companions for their piety and for their God consciousness. See, Ya Rasulullah, that's too much. One month. I could finish 30 Qur'ans in one month. Prophet negotiated with him. See, Ya Rasulullah, three weeks, two weeks. And it came down to one week that he negotiated with the Prophet that he's going to finish one Qur'an. This was the God consciousness. And the levels of piety and taqwa of the companions of the Prophet. And the Prophet والسلام, always maintained that they <coughs> ensure that they take care of their bodies, they take care of their diets. Ibn Rajab, one of the classical Arab doctors he was, Ibn Rajab al-Hambali, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said, Al Hamiyatu al Da or Al al-dawā Wal Bitna He said that diet is the foundation of medicine, and the stomach is the foundation of all illnesses. See, that's where the illnesses start from. And that's medically proven today that a lot of the cancers stem from the stomach. They stem from the stomach, so it's important for us to maintain a healthy diet. The Prophet ﷺ, in another hadith, he stated, the stomach is a tank of the body, and the veins go down through it, when the stomach is healthy, the veins come back healthy. When the stomach is unhealthy and in a bad condition, then the veins come back in an unhealthy and bad condition. It's important that we maintain a balanced diet. Many of us suffer from, uh, from becoming depressed, become anxious because our, body, our bodies are not receiving the nutrients that they're supposed to receive. And that imbalance, affects our whole being. What does the Quran say about that with regards to the food that we eat? Doesn't the Quran say, Ya ayyuha amanu, ma That all you who believe, eat from the pure things that we have provided for you, the tayyibat. Don't tell me that every single food or morsel that you put into your house is from the tayyibat. This tayyibat doesn't only mean that it's earned or the food that you pay for is brought with halal income. Tayyibat also means Tayyib also means that the food is good for you that you're placing inside your bodies. The food is healthy for you. It maintains your, your whole being. Overeating, 65% of UK residents suffer from obesity. Some mild forms of obesity, other severe forms of obesity. But look, look around at your own communities, and it's true. I direct this to myself also. You know, one of my scholars, uh, one of my shiuk, he said, you know, he said the greatest bid'ah, the greatest innovation of our times, is the belly. He said the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam never, at one stage in his life, had a protruding belly. He said that's one of the greatest bid'ahs of our time. The greatest innovations that we have started of having a protruding belly. We're talking about individuals who have it within their control to maintain their diet and to maintain their health but still continue on that path of, of putting uh, food into their stomachs that is unhealthy for them. The Prophet ﷺ said, mala' min <laughs> the Prophet said that the son of Adam, he fills no vessel more displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than his stomach. A few morsels of food should be enough for him to preserve his strength. And if he is going to fill it, If he's going to fill his stomach, then the Prophet gave us a guideline. He said, then he should allow a third for his food, a third for his water, and a third for air, a third for breathing. We fill our stomachs to such an extent that we're unable to breathe thereafter. From your own personal experience, when you eat, and you fill yourself, where you can't even move, be honest with yourselves, I will too. We've all suffered and we've all had that sort of an experience where we're so full. What's the first thing that happens? Immediately we get tired. Is anybody going to eat to their fill and then want to do some work? That doesn't happen. That's why the Prophet said that filling it is displeasing to Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Leave some space in there. Leave some space for water. Leave some space for air. This is why it's extremely important for us to maintain that. Having a healthy diet is extremely important. Not only to your physical well-being, but to your emotional and psychological well-being. (coughs) Otherwise, how are you going to pray? I guarantee you, if you go to sleep every night, eating until you're absolutely full, you know that's you know instead of taking sleeping tablets, they are, we can we can eat to our full. That's automatically going to put us to sleep. How often are you going to do that and still get up for for Fajr and still get up for Tahajjud prayers? It's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult. How are you going to pray to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? I'm not telling you. Think about those less fortunate than yourselves, you know, who have nothing to eat, and guilt trip you. I'm not trying to do that. That's why I haven't mentioned it. What I'm saying is focus, think about yourself when you're eating. What happens to you when you fill yourselves? We have to lead by example. We have to ensure that our children, look, nobody wants their children to eat unhealthy foods. You know, we feed our children healthy foods and we ensure that their, their bodies are healthy, we should do exactly the same for ourselves and lead by example, by eating healthy ourselves. With regards to the, the, the mental health and suffering from, from depression, once we've controlled our balanced diets, then automatically we'll have enough time to pray. And Allah wa ta'ala says, وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّرَاءِ Seek help through patience and prayer. So when we suffer from anxiety, um, in, in its mild forms, then we need to worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, even when we feel like we're not in accomplishing anything from our worship. There are people who, who I, I often face this question where people say, "Well, you know what? I don't feel like praying, and when I pray, I don't get anything from it." And I say to them, you "Continue to persevere. That's what sabr is. Sabr and istiqama, patience and perseverance go hand in hand." So continue to persevere Today you're not going to feel The the right? The sweetness of the prayer Tomorrow you might not Maybe a week down the line You still won't feel it But I guarantee you That you continue to persevere And you will You will There'll come a point When you're going to start enjoying it And when you don't pray You're going to feel like something's missing You're going to feel like There's something wrong I didn't pray today That's why I'm feeling this way. So ensure that you do that. Humble yourself before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Have tawakkul and always remain hopeful in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qul ya ala anfusihim la taqnatu min rahmatillah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, so say to the Prophet sallallahu O oh, my servant, ya ibādi." Those of you who have, who have transgressed upon yourselves, because when we sin, we don't transgress Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we transgress and do zulm upon ourselves. Allah says, لا تقنط من رحمة الله Never ever despair of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الدُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive all of your sins. So it's important for us to remain hopeful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to uh, to forgive us and is going to wash our sins away so it's important for us to remember that both the physical ailments and the spiritual elements that we go through the emotional and psychological ailments that we suffer from some of them go hand in hand it's important for us to maintain a well balanced diet it's important for us to uh, have fun and enjoy ourselves Right? It's important for us to exercise, it's important for us to take care of our children and our families. (coughs) Within that is the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also. And then it's important for us to have that time to ourselves where it's just us and our Rabb. And we pray to him individually, in solitude. But they all go hand in hand. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you the tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Qur'an and the blessed sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.